you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So church, please, uh, if you have a Bible, please turn to Proverbs 30. And I'll be reading uh, verse 5 to 9. It's Proverbs 30, verse 5 to 9. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and be found a liar. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Josh. Good morning, church. How are we going? Might squeeze this. I'm not as tall. Today, I am going to take a risk. I want to share one of the greatest mistakes of my early career. For many years, this mistake would bring me sweats and anxiety. But to start off with, this may shock some of you, uh, but to set the scene, I used to dance for many years. Uh, Do we have a... Isn't that glorious? (laughs) I should end the sermon here. If you you felt a little bit of embarrassment through this week, um, just look at that photo. Uh, I promise I won't dance in the pulpit or wear my leotard to Sunday preaching. I just want to get that out of the way. But dance and urban street arts training started in the first year of uni. And in the first years of dance, I I started community outreach. And one of the most surprising things happened. Suddenly, a multi-million dollar charity reached out to us and asked for a big favour. What was that? They asked us to do an opening performance for their biggest fundraising event of the year. Just to get a glimpse of how high stakes this was, to get a front row table at one of these top-notch seats would cost you $6,000. Excited but naive, we said yes to the performance. (laughs) But here's where I made the fatal mistake. In gathering a team of dancers together, I put my trust in a young, inexperienced team. And in particular, a dancer in his teenage years. You see, we were in full swing. There was months of practice, rehearsals, getting choreography right, getting these flips and risky stunts down pat. But rehearsal after rehearsal, this particular teenage dancer did not come to practice. 
And the closer that we got to the date, the more nervous I felt. So, performance day comes, and this dancer has only showed up to one practice through those entire months. And he shows up late to the final rehearsal. I mean, what was I thinking hiring this adolescent? Some of you parents might be thinking, I can barely get my teenager to do the dishes, iron his clothes, wake up for school on time. But how did this all play out? I've never shared this, even to my performance team to this day. What happened? We bombed. (laughs) On a professional execution level, the performance was a disaster. (laughs) And to top it off, a performance labour worth one and a half to two thousand dollars, we weren't paid a cent. You feeling me? When you're a dancer or a performer, it is essential to build a team of trust and dependability. And don't worry, I have forgiven this dancer, but in hindsight, I've put my trust in someone I shouldn't have. As we turn our minds to prayer, who can we trust? And what must we not trust? As we continue on this prayer series this morning, I want us to look at three aspects to the prayer that is described in Proverbs 30, if you have your Bibles with you. Here's the three aspects that I want to just zoom in on. Who can we trust? Number two, what not to trust? And why does this trust matter? Let's take a look at Proverbs 35 to 9. Because as we can see, at first, you you might be thinking, why? It's, It's unusual to close the book of Proverbs with a prayer. But I want to assure you, it has a purpose. After all these sayings in Proverbs, pursuing wisdom through a fear of the Lord, we actually see the first action in the entire book by a God fearer. And what's that action? It's prayer. The words what we are about to hear are from Agar. This is someone who is mentioned only once in the Bible. This is like hearing a famous band release a song, and it features someone that no one in the world has ever heard of. But it's humble, utterly humble, and it's vital for us to see how he prays. But importantly, He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And most commentators see him as a convert Jew or a proselyte. So, who can we trust? Look at verse 5. We see the basis of Agar's confidence to approach the Lord in prayer. Verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Here in Proverbs 30, we're reminded of the truthfulness and the trustworthiness of God's character through his word. And zoom in on the word true, the Hebrew word serapa in verse 5. 
It's not so much about meaning merely correct. There's a weightiness to it associated with something that's being tried, refined, and tested, associated with purifying metals, precious metals, in fact. For Agar to describe God as a shield and a refuge actually tells us two things. One, he tells, it, it tells us that he knows the law and the Old Testament scriptures. And secondly, he has a living relationship with his creator. And he has real experiences of these qualities of God. So let me ask you, can you recall moments where you've experienced God's true and trustworthy nature? This reminds me of a time where I experienced God's dependable and true nature in adversity and restoration. Many years ago, I had to leave Ballarat to recover from exhaustion and depression. My car was about to break down and I was in a terrible financial situation to the point that I used up all of my savings. You might get some prodigal son vibes, uh, cross-reference with Luke 15, but just for you, this is the Don edition. Because I still remember the last moment before I left Ballarat. I parked by a pine plantation and I sat there with God's word, reading his promises in scripture. With tears, I, I, I desperately prayed to see God and to see his nature come through, for him to take care of me in the next months, weeks, but even just for the day, to get me safely back home to Geelong. In those days, I could relate to the, the saying of the words like Agar in verse 1 and 2. I'm weary and I'm worn out and I'm stupid. I wonder if you can relate to that. I thought I was finished. My health would decline further. I'd be bedridden for six months. But God would remind me of his steadfast nature. Out of his mercy, he would restore me to health. In 12 months, a Christian would give me a second-hand car for free. I was offered a job a month later and was accepted into another university course. We have an incredible God, don't we? But I'll be honest, this wasn't what I remember most. Do you know what got me through those six months? When I was sick with fever, unable to walk, struggling with appetite, I was reading God's word, reminding my soul that his word was true and his name could be trusted. It was a miracle to be comforted at the time. How do I know it was supernatural? I was being energised and inspired by the book of Leviticus. <laughs> I mean, the Jesus songs are important, but someone write a song about the lofty glories of Leviticus. 
Can you think of times where you've been reminded that God's words can be true and trusted? Well, maybe you're here today and you're feeling discouraged. Can I compel you to do something simple before you leave church today? Possibly something at the end of the service or during morning tea. Share or ask someone how they've seen God's true and trustworthy nature. Because maybe you've experienced something recent in seeing God move. Share that over a bicky and tea. Because it's right for us to encourage and reflect in community especially through prayer, to fix our eyes on the unchangeable truth that God is trustworthy. So we've seen that God can be trusted. Let's look next at what we receive through this inspired convert. He's about to tell us what not to trust. Number two, what not to trust. Agar has seen God provide for his life. This is why he continues on in Proverbs 30, verses 6 to 9. Verse 6, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you. Verse 7, two things I ask of you, deny them before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Agar says that God does not need any added wisdom from his creation. Then he asks two things. Provide for my basic needs and to keep my heart pure before you. It reminds us of the Lord's prayer, doesn't it? Hallowed be your name. Give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. This proto-pre-Jesus Lord's prayer is of incredible value. Look at verse 6. We can see how Agar is aware that pride can still rise to the surface. How so? In light of a caring and trustworthy God, there is still a temptation for us to think we know more than God. Verse 6, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. We've had those thoughts rise and emerge to the service, haven't we? That we think we need to just add a few more words to what God should look like and act in our lives. We just need just a little bit of a tweak in how we must care for us and toward our worldly comfort. But he warns us for our good. In verses 6 to 8, not only will pride fail, but trying to add to how God should be will be rebuked. But what does this subtle pride and greed look like? I'm not sure about you, but I've been feeling the pinch lately and have needed to pray for contentment. I've been feeling nervous every single time I fill up on petrol or do my regular groceries. Maybe you're feeling the pressure of rent or mortgage repayments. 
or you've had to cancel another holiday for concern of our financial times. But yet, still those thoughts for wanting more still rise. If only I could get a wage increase, more leave for my job, or if only my family was free of this trouble and inconvenience. It would solve these problems and at least make it a little easier. If only my stocks and investments got more value, if only I could have this car or this material possession, I would have enough. As an Australian Western culture, we are tempted to think it is perfectly acceptable to want more. But Agar reminds us, more often than not, God gives us enough for our need. Agar reminds us not to put our trust in worldly wisdom or withering material possessions. Verse 8, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me. Personally, this has given me just fuel to prayerfully budget better for weekly living, but to continue to trust God in my giving. But importantly, through prayers like Ego's, we get filled with deep gratitude toward our Maker as we receive His humble care. It's amazing, isn't it? To think that this passage existed nearly a thousand years, possibly a thousand years before Jesus came and taught the Lord's Prayer. And to live and die for us sinners. But what else does it mean for our lives? Another thought came to mind. I've been challenged to address areas of pride and brokenness in my life. After all, what is so God-glorifying in Agar asking in verse 8, remove far from me falsehood and lying? This might sound odd, but for me, removing falsehood meant laying down my self-sufficiency and pretending. How did I reach this conclusion? Well... What I'm about to share might surprise you. It was reflecting in prayer over a new friendship forged out of skating, out of all things. If you get to know me, you you see how highly strung I am towards life. But I found a friend who taught me how to relax, let my guard down, laugh, Someone who listened to me more than I realized. This is what helped support me, supported me through my first six months of ministry. It was wonderful. Don't you love it when God surprises you in those loving ways? But through this friendship, I was challenged in honesty and holiness. They could see that I needed more than just friendship in my line of work. 
that I actually needed professional help with dealing with my emotions and a safe place to share my personal life. You can think of those friends, can't you, in our lives. They love you enough to make you laugh and to laugh well, but to love you enough to challenge you. Because I'll be candid, and I wonder if you can relate to this. Through these past few years of supporting people in crisis, engaging in conflicts and in peacemaking, I realised it impacted me more than I could bear without clinical help. I realised I trusted a lie. What was that? That I was self-sufficient and I could continue pretending that pain didn't affect me. But I'll confess this with a smile on my face, and I kid you not, the highlight of my holidays was not doing flips on a trampoline. It was seeing my psychologist. I know it sounds strange, but I know the delight that comes from praying. Verse 8, remove far from me falsehood and lying. But let me ask you, in what ways may God want to grow you in your holiness and honesty? Are there lies in our lives, out of control, anxieties as a single, struggling to trust that God cares for you? Or is it, are you someone that needs refreshment in honesty in your friendships between Christians? In your marriage, is there unforgiveness or pain that you've been harboring? Is it time to share those concerns and burdens with loved ones? Or is it out of love? Do you need to pray for wise counsel in firmly challenging a friend to bring sin and brokenness to the table? Can I encourage you to start with a prayer like Agar's? I know from personal experience it is worth it. In turning to a holy God, I was prompted with practical wisdom. He helps and desires us to be holy, to remove lives and falsehood from our lives. And he knows what we need. He gives us courage to pursue that practically. Because we can trust our entire lives to him. So through Proverbs 30, God has reminded us through Agar that God can be trusted. And what not to trust. Let's see our final aspect. Why our trust matters. As we've seen in the previous verses, but we have to ask, why does it matter that Agar trusts God and lives thankful of his means? It's so that he doesn't forget his Lord and the worship that he deserves. 
verse 9, lest I be fallen, deny you, and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. If we take into context the theme of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, fearing God is the wisest place to begin trusting Him in uh, trusting Him. But it's also a part of our reverent worship. Are you guys fully aware of His vulnerability to wanting more and forgetting God? I mean, doesn't that speak into our individualistic, narcissistic, largely indulgent, well-off country in comparison to many impoverished nations? I don't know about you, but this challenges me. How so? I'm a forgetful person. I leave house keys in the wrong place all the time. I am strangely waking up more and more. Please have concern for me. I'm forgetting how old I am. This delays, you know, filling out those important forms. Don't get me started of learning the hard way that uh, servicing your car on time frequently. They're important things, aren't they? But what happens when you forget a person? Case in point, I nearly forgot my friend at the airport last week. They would have been stranded at least until midnight. I had four phone reminders. As a pastor, please forgive me for my shortcomings in vehicle and mechanical matters. I hope you can sense where I'm going with this. When we forget important everyday matters, the stakes are high. How much more when we forget the person and glory of our God? And forgetfulness impacts our prayer life as well, doesn't it? I know there are times it's just not natural for me to remember and submit my concerns, my needs, or even my celebrations up to God. But even at a greater depth, Ahingar's prayer in Proverbs 30 also reminds us why forgetfulness can actually harm our relationship with God. Firstly, he points out that God's, in God's love and care for us, we can become proud and self-reliant and actually forget our ultimate provider. Lest I say, who is the Lord? And secondly, he reminds us that distrust and forgetfulness dishonours his holiness. Lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. But why does this trust in God matter? His name is on the line. Our trust in God through prayer reminds us that his honour and his worship are at stake. After all, look at verses 1 to 4 of chapter 30. We're reminded that he is our creator with all our worship and remembrance. We can see how seriously Agar understands this. Because Agar uses the word profane. Tarpasti in Hebrew carries the meaning of dishonor or lacking rightful acknowledgement 
for an object or a person. That tone carries through as an outcome of letting our minds slip in our Heavenly Father. But how do we glorify God and guard ourselves from forgetting God as He cares for us? Well, this is something that I've needed to grow in. And so over the the last six years as a Christian, I've been more and more praying Scripture over my life situations. Knowing that His Spirit is fully involved in my life. This has been important for big decisions and life changes. Whether it's an interview, a new job, house, church, relationships, and major life changes. This is by no means a rule, but it's something that's helped me. A particular prayer that I pray through John 14 to 17. Through each chapter, I'm reminded of his care, his commands, and Christ's example of remembering God. I remember the first time I, I prayed this. It was, uh, I was nervous before a phone interview. I started with John 14 and I found such delight in it. Assurance, comfort as a Christian. And I'd move through the next chapters, 15 to 16, all the way to 17. Promises and truths. Commandments that reminded me that God was trustworthy and worth glorifying. So what did this look like? In a few points, it reminded my heart of regardless of the outcome of the interview, I knew Jesus as the way, life, and truth. John 14, 6. And that God's Spirit was with me now in this interview and forever. John 14, 17. Whether if I passed through or not, I'm in Christ and I am called to depend and abide in him. John 15, 5. And finally, no matter what happens, I can have ultimate peace and confidence in all circumstances knowing that Jesus has ultimately overcome the world, John 16, 33. Isn't God's word powerful to remind us that he cares? And through his Holy Spirit, we're reminded of worship towards him. But I'll never forget the final chapter in this prayer that changed my life. What was that? As I kept reading and praying through this section of John's Gospel, I realized it was moving in a glorious direction, quite literally. Like Agar's prayer, Jesus' encouragement and prayer was not only the wisest act to the biggest decision in history going to the cross, there was a majestic and ultimate quality that they both share. What's that? Look at John, look at Jesus' final words in his prayer in John 17, 26. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love you have loved me may be in them. 
both Proverbs 30 verse 9 and the last verse in John 17, are driven to remember and glorify God's name. It's fueled by deep motivation of worship. I mean, have you experienced those prayerful reminders that God's name is ultimately on the line? I know I have. And some of you might be able to relate to this. You may recall times in GC, hearing a person pray in church or in your own home, and they're just praying with such beauty and glory. You know they love God. And suddenly, they pray something so specific, it hits you personally. It's like a sound wave going to the air show of an F-18, just goes straight through your heart. It's specific enough, yet it lifts you up in worship. Or you feel challenged or encouraged to pray in your private time to God. You say in your heart, I need to go to the Lord about this, regarding this provision, this family, my sin, or a strong reminder to better rejoice in the Lord. I'm reminded to worship God. Maybe today, God wants to remind you about a kind of passive yet active reminder in community. To gather yourself more around prayer and listen well to other Christians and God-fearers that pray like Agor. I know that that has changed my life. And to close, as the band comes up, how else may we be challenged to remember God in prayer through our lives? Over the years, I've been encouraged by God's word to be more aware of the Holy Spirit's leading. How so, you might ask? This might sound a little odd, but as I read my devotions letter last year, I, I found myself prompted consistently about a particular thought over a few weeks as I read Scripture. At first, I thought I was being distracted. But I asked God, is this something that you want me to focus on? The thought was this. I feel distant from my valued relationships. I need to restore and rebuild them. In bringing this to prayer, for some reason, Joseph's life in Genesis came to mind. And over the few weeks, as I read this account, I asked God into this area of relationships. It's early days, but I'm seeing God answer this prayer and prompting. It's a miracle of its own. This is not a grand almighty application, but whether it's during devotions, in the quiet or the busy moments, at work or in home life, maybe God wants you to pay attention 
more attention to certain thoughts that come to mind as you read, think, and hear Scripture. Because God's name is on the line. To ask that his name be worshipped through your concerns, joys, worries, and celebrations as they come to mind. Can I encourage you as a father, a mother, a brother, or a sister, and ultimately a son or a daughter of Jesus? Face life, its decisions and burdens more like Agar and even more so like Jesus. Ask God to prompt you in prayer so his name may be more glorified. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word, even of the Old Testament in Proverbs 30, still speaks to us. Father, I pray that we would grow a deeper trust in you and you help us to let go of trusting things that do not glorify you and bring us to yourself. Help us to show that our trust matters and guide us by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.